Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to us by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Go check out Morbidly Beautiful right now for all your horror pop culture needs, from reviews to interviews, top ten lists, and, well, everything in between. They also have a great library of podcasts to check out after you finish listening to this one. And my newest podcast, Cheer and Loathing, is also on the network as well, where me and Stephanie, the editor of Morbidly Beautiful, talk about different movies and how much she loves them and how much I hate them. It's fun. Just give it a listen. Alrighty. So in the past few weeks, we've covered some pretty serious and gnarly stuff. From Richard Chase and his obsession with blood to aliens and volcanoes, it's been pretty heavy. So I thought, why not lighten things up a little bit and talk about plagues and epidemics? Wait, that's... that's not... that's not fun to talk about anymore? What? Oh, uh, because... oh, right. Yeah. Uh, So I just got word from my fake producer that talking about mass infection isn't exactly cool at the present moment because of the state of the world? Well, you know what I have to say about that? Fuck it. Besides, I'm going to be looking at some really incredible and super fun diseases that make you do fun things. Of course, I'm talking about the Dancing Plague of 1518. And, well, other weird-ass cases from around the world throughout time. So put on your dancing shoes for this one. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. So, the dancing plague. What does that even mean? It can't be that bad, right? I mean, who doesn't like to dance? Oh, I guess that town in Footloose that banned dancing, they... they probably didn't like dancing. But that's because they were snobby prudes, or something. I never actually saw the movie, or the remake, or any dancing movies, really. I'm getting off topic. Continuing on, in 1518, a woman by the name of Frau Tofea began to dance her heart out in the streets of Strasbourg, France. For no apparent reason, she just said to herself, Fuck it, I'm a dance. And dance she did, without stopping, for more than a week. There was no music, no festivals, nothing. Just the music in her head that apparently spread to others, as within that week at least 100 people had the dancing bug. The dancing plague had begun. See, I told you this would be fun, right? Soon, the mania spread and spread, and within a month, keeping with 100 per week, about 400 people were dancing in the streets, fields, houses, and wherever else people could get into it. Let's be honest for a second, this is a pretty harmless outbreak, right? People are having fun, dancing, socializing. It's all fun and games until somebody drops dead from heart failure. That's pretty specific, eh? Well, that's what started to happen. Heart attacks, strokes, exhaustion, starvation, and so on and so forth. People were now dying from this strange-ass disease, or mania, or whatever. Oddly enough, many thought the cure for the dancing disorder was... Yup, you guessed it, more dancing. Man, if this isn't the drug addict substituting crack for heroin, I really don't know what is. It was so widely believed that the cure was more dancing that they brought in musicians and erected stages for people to dance upon. It was like that theory where if you have a song stuck in your head, just listen to it all the way through and it'll no longer be on loop, on repeat, in your melon. In other words, it seems like they thought, maybe 
just maybe if they danced to a song and finished their routine, they would just stop dancing. Of course, that didn't work. Now, this might sound like some kind of bullshit, right? Like I'm making it up or drawing from a fantasy novel or piece of folklore. But no, it's fairly well documented in medical, civil, and religious notes from the time. Just as randomly and quickly as it started, it faded away. One by one, people stopped dancing until there was no more dance to be had. So what the hell happened? Well, funny you should ask, because we'll get to that right after we look at some other bizarre-ass cases from history that involve similar happenings. In fact, it is speculated that there are as many as 10 dancing outbreaks in Europe prior to the Strasbourg incident. There was another fairly notable one in 1374 that spread through several regions in what is now Belgium, Germany, and France. In more modern times, yes, modern times, there was a related outbreak in what is now Tanzania. Back in 1962, there was a situation involving mass hysteria, or a mass psychogenic illness, MPI for short, and it involved laughter. Yes, laughing, laughter, ha ha ha, chuckle chuckle. It was uncontrollable laughter as well, like something out of a Joker comic. Now, we all know that some people have infectious laughs, but this brings a whole new meaning to that. It all began on January 30th, 1962, when Steve told a funny joke, and from there, an entire province in Africa broke out into laughter. No, no, that didn't happen. It actually started at a mission-run boarding school for girls in Keshasha. So you know nobody is telling jokes. It's a boarding school run by missionaries. Not a very funny place. It originally started with three girls, and before long, 95 of the 159 students were infected with this laughing disorder. The strangest thing about this epidemic was that the range of symptoms lasted from just a few hours to full-on days, up to 16 in some cases. Man, could you imagine laughing non-stop for days at a time, especially when you're not having fun? There's nothing to laugh at, no jokes, no skits, no people falling off ladders, that always gets me. Just laughter. I mean, laughing for more than a few minutes at a time generally sucks. Especially if it's hard, like belly-grabbing laughter, tear-inducing laughter. You always feel kind of sick during those moments. It's a weird juxtaposition. Another strange detail was that the teaching staff seemed to be not affected at all. Naturally, students weren't able to concentrate, and on March 18th, the school closed. That's almost three months of this. That's, well, that's crazy. No pun intended. As with most epidemics, it spreads. The village of Shamba became infected in April and May of 1962. It makes sense, this is where most of the infected girls lived. From there, about 217 residents were infected with laughter, mostly all young people. The school where it all started reopened on May 21st and then promptly reclosed by the end of June. By that time, the laughter spread to another girls' school near Bukoba, infecting another 48 girls. The Keshasha school was sued for allowing the girls to leave and ultimately spread the, well, whatever it was. The entire epidemic lasted for roughly 18 months, spread to 14 schools, and infected something like a thousand people. Of course, the laughter was the virus in this case, and viruses have symptoms, and symptoms of this particular illness included fainting, Flatulence, hey, who hasn't laughed and let out a good fart? Respiratory problems. 
rashes, crying, and screaming. This sounds, well, terrifying. I'm sorry this was supposed to be light and fun, but I mean, nearly an entire school followed by villages of people laughing is creepy enough, thrown crying, people laughing in pain, screaming, people laughing in fear, and farting, people laughing in farts. It's all very horror movie-esque. Now, with all that terrifying stuff out of the way, we can get to the causes of all these things. And there are some theories. But let's take a look at the laughing fit epidemic and what people thought the cause was. Christian F. Hempelman, yes, I'm not making that up, Hempelman, of Purdue University thought that it was a stress-induced bout of MPI. Remember that little thing we discussed a few seconds ago. Tanganyaka, or modern-day Tanzania, had just won its independence. And with that came stricter guidelines and more expectations on the children of the state. That stress hadn't been known to these kids before, and so they experienced this phenomenon. He goes on to say, quote, MPI is a last resort for people of low status. It's an easy way for them to express that something is wrong. There isn't much more as to why other than that response. I know it was thrilling. I know. Just leave those reviews. Sociologist Robert Bartholomew, a sociologist's name if I had ever heard one, and psychiatrist Simon Wesley both believed it was a culture-specific epidemic of mass hysteria. Apparently, things like that were pretty common in Africa in the 60s, more specifically in these mission-run girls' schools. It's very specific. They hypothesized that the state was run by rather strict and conservative elders, but the kids were being taught new ideas that challenged the established ideals. It was basically a manifestation of cultural dissonance. But the same can't be said for the Dancy disease. Yes, I said Dancy. While there is a psychological element to what happened in Straussburg, it wasn't the only theory thrown out. But we might as well start there. Some people believe that this was an example of something called a psychogenic movement disorder happening in mass hysteria or mass psychogenic illness. That pretty much means a bunch of people suddenly and for no apparent reason start moving and acting very bizarrely, like, you know, dancing. This behavior can exhibit epidemic-like symptom spreading, with others being affected, if you will, quite easily. Hey, is that why it's called the jitterbug? No? That one didn't land? Man, I gotta start playing a laugh track or something because I feel like you're not laughing at my AAA jokes here. Carrying on. Like Africa, though, some believe the whole epidemic was stress-induced. The people of the region were going through some shit, and it was basically a mental break. The entire region was ridden with famine and disease at the time, and it was believed that they were very superstitious people as well. And so, they danced, I guess. As I said, this wasn't the first around that time in that region, it was just the biggest. Another psychological event could have been something called the Sydenham's Chorea. Chorea is the Greek word for to dance, so we know where this is going. I mean, you probably knew before that because the, the topic that we're- Shut up. Sydenham's Chorea had a couple of different names, but most notably, St. Vitus's Dance. Who the fuck is St. Vitus? That's a great question. He's the patron saint of, among other things, epilepsy, because that's a thing you need a saint for. Here's sort of the straightforward facts on the disorder, copy and pasted from a website, Wikipedia. <laughs> I do research great, I know. 
Sydenham's chorea is a disorder characterized by rapid, uncoordinated jerking movements primarily affecting the face, hands, and feet. Sydenham's chorea results from childhood infection with group A, beta hemolic streptococcus, and is reported to occur in 20% to 30% of people with acute rheumatic fever. The disease is usually latent, occurring up to six months after the actual infection, but may occasionally be the presenting symptom of rheumatic fever. Sydenham's chorea is more common in females than males and most below 16 years of age. Adult onset of the disorder is comparatively rare, and the majority of the adult cases are associated with exacerbation of chorea following childhood. Sydenham's chorea. Well, that was fun. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but you get the basic gist. I'm not a medical podcast, so you get the Cole's notes on it. Wait, do Americans have Cole's notes? What's the American one? Cliff, Cliff Notes. That's it. Sort of like an idiot's guide to whatever. Why didn't I just say idiot's guide in the first place? God. <clears throat> Anywho, that was one of the first believed causes as well, even if the disease wasn't really classified until the 19th century. The last belief comes from a very simple case of food poisoning. Yeah, you heard that right. Food poisoning. Well, to be fair, it makes sense, and it wasn't like somebody decided to have some chicken cooked rare. It was more a case of bad fungus, and we all know what fungi can do to a person's body. It has some effects, you could say, on the human mind. Not that I would know from experience, because anyway. And it's entirely possible these people, or at least some of them, ingested a strain of this fungus called ergot fungi. This type grows on grains such as rye, which is used for baking, and ergot has a psychoactive product within it that's quite similar to LSD. Some experts believe this isn't the case though, as it's highly unlikely that everybody affected by it would react in the same way, in this case, dancing. In other words, not everybody's gonna have the same trip. I could, of course, buy that. But I can also believe that all these people infected saw one person dancing and then joined in sort of subconsciously reacting to the same way to the drug. Like, monkey see, monkey do. I'm not sure if that's a thing, but I mean, have you ever seen a rave? It's basically that. However, it also wouldn't explain the length that people were infected for, as many succumbed to starvation, so they weren't eating more infected bread or whatever the ergot got into. LSD effects can last a while, but not usually days, weeks, or months. So it probably wasn't that, though it may have started with that. Then because of the superstitious and religious nature of these people, they thought it was kind of a sign or maybe even a possession and just kept going with it because they felt they needed to. You never know. And that's the fun about this podcast. When it comes to things hundreds or thousands of years old, we will never have definitive answers, which in turn makes me seem super smart for all the speculation. Right? Right? I desperately need positive reinforcement. Huh? What? N nothing. Never mind that. So what do you think happened? Let me know on Twitter or Facebook and we can talk about it like a good family does. Not like my family where you got beat for expressing your opinions or, or laughing or having fun of any kind. My name is Casey and this has been the Ominous Origins Podcast. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Any five-star reviews will be read out on the show, so it's a great way to get a shout-out. Also, if you follow along on Twitter, at HorrorShotsProd, as in production, Facebook at HorrorShots, or Instagram, at Pod, you might find some interesting stuff. Probably not, though.
Anyway, until next week.